I want to talk about the anointing that reverses the curse. <laughs> the anointing that reverses the curse. How many got what I'm saying? The anointing breaks up the curse. And the story I want to go to is the story of Balaam. How many remember the story of Balaam, the, the prophet who was paid, paid to curse Israel? I believe sometimes the devil would pay to curse you. I believe, I believe the devil would do anything and everything he could to put a curse on you, if he could, if he could, amen, he would do it. Now, this must be an important story because the book of Numbers dedicates three whole chapters to this story. Not only that, but we see this story, Joshua refers to it. It's, it's talked about it again in the book of Micah, in the book of Nehemiah. In the New Testament, it's in Second Peter. It's in Jude. It's in Revelation. Some, some say Paul is indirectly referencing some of the things talked about there in Balaam. So this is an important uh, moment in Israel's history because if this curse would have worked, Israel would have been defeated in battle. Israel would have never crossed the Jordan. Israel would have never taken the... That's what he was after. I want you to get this in your spirit. The reason for a curse is not to, ag 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 uh, uh, it's not to aggravate you, although it does. The purpose of a curse is to stop your progress, to stop your forward momentum, to keep you from being who God called you to be. To keep you from prosperity, to keep you from your healing, to keep you from your destiny, to keep you from uh, sharing a word that will touch someone else's life. Come on, saints. Amen. The purpose of a curse is to slow down your progress, to keep you from your destiny. That's what a curse is for, not just to aggravate you and give you a hard time. But I want you to get this in your spirit. I'm going to say it four or five times today. Hmm. The devil can't curse what God has blessed. Come on now, church. Here, say it with me. The, de the devil can't curse what God has blessed. So King Moab is worried about the Israelites. He hires Balaam. Balaam comes from Syria, way up north. He comes down, and he begins, or he tries to curse Israel. And every time he tried to curse Israel, a blessing would come out. Oh, God, I wish we can get to that place where every time the devil tries to curse you, he blesses you. <laughs> Sorry about your luck, devil. Amen. Let's look at the scriptures in, in Proverbs 18 and 21. It's a familiar verse. We all know it. Death and death and are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it, come on, will eat its fruit. You're going to eat the fruit of what comes out of your mouth. Now, if you're a complainer and a backbiter and like to tear things down, guess what? You're going to eat the fruit of that. Don't be surprised when you go into some ministry, nobody follows you either. <laughs> don't be surprised if you criticize everyone above you. Don't be surprised when the people under you start criticizing you. Am I speaking the truth? I like this in the message. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. How many want to start speaking right? 
That, that's why, that's why I, I, I try to choose my words carefully and try not to talk a lot. Some of you like to talk a lot. Good luck with that. Because every idle word, every idle word. And boy, I've been around some people that are, never mind, let's go on. So why wouldn't the curse work? I mean, this is a big deal. you got to get this. This curse was not some idle threat. This was a big deal. If he could have pulled this off, Israel would have failed. And let me tell you this, too. If the devil could have stopped you, he would have done it by now. If he could have killed you, if he could kill you, he'd have killed you. If he could have driven you mad, he'd have driven you mad by now. If he could have driven you to the poorhouse, he'd have done it by now. You are living proof that God's in charge of your life. Oh, you might be going through some things, but God will turn that around eventually. Don't you worry about that, amen. Because the, oh my God, oh my God. Because the devil can't curse what God has blessed. Give God a praise. So here's three reasons real quick. Number one, number one, the curse doesn't work because we are chosen. We are chosen. Let's look at the story. Numbers 23, starting in verse 7. He says, and he took up his oracle and said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come, curse Jacob for me, and come denounce uh, Israel. Uh, some, some translations say, damn Israel. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? <laughs> For from the top of the rocks, I see him. Uh, talking about Israel. And from the hills, I behold him. There, a people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. He was supposed to curse them, and this is what came out. Then Balak said to Balaam, why have you done, why have you, what have you done to me? I told you to curse my enemies, and look, you have blessed them bountifully. Hate it when that happens. Go, go back, go back a couple of, go back uh, to the one before that. He says, he's talking about Israel, so I want you to put your name in there. From the top of the rocks, I see God sees you. And from the hills, I see you there. A people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. Who can count the dust? Remember, he promised Abraham that, that his descendants would be like the sand of the sea. Amen. God's saying, I see you. I chose you. The devil can't curse you. You belong to me. Amen. I see you in your trial. I see what you're going through. I was there. Amen. I am there. You are are my chosen people. Oh, come on. Oh, it's hard to understand chosen. Some of us think we were chosen because we did something wonderful. No, you were chosen before you were ever born. A foreknowledge. God knows who's going to say yes. He knows who will be in heaven with him for all eternity. He's not sitting up in heaven wondering if you're going to make it. You're, listen, you don't have a, you don't, your name's not in the book of life one day, and then you mess up a little bit, and you, oh, where's that eraser? 
Your name's erased until you get your, get your act back together. No, no, no. God knows how it all ends. Your name's either in the book or it's not in the book. Why don't you punch someone right now and say, my name's in the book. And if your name's in the book, what can the devil do? How can the devil curse you when your name's in the book? How can the devil stop you when your name's in the book? Amen. Oh, glory to God. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Amen. God has chosen me. Give him praise. 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 8. Uh, it says this, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, talking about Jesus. They stumbled, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you, say, but me, but me, but I am a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, the word speaks for itself. Who were once not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Behold, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, when they try to curse you, they may, by your good works which they observe, Glorify God in the day of visitation. They may be cursing you today, but they're going to bless you eventually. They may curse you today, but on that last judgment day, they're going to have to bow and say, that was a woman of God. That was a man of God. I tried to stop them, but there they are standing before the great throne judgment. Ah. Why don't you praise them like you mean it, amen. Come on, give him a shout. Number two reason. He can't curse us because he lives among us. If he allowed a curse, he would be under the curse. He's living right here. He's living in your home. Why would he allow a curse to come on your home when that's where he lives? Oh, someone ought to get this. Someone ought to get this. He lives among us. Let's go back to the story, Numbers 23, 18. Here's here's what he says, verse 18. Uh, Then he took up his oracle and said, Rise up, Balak, and here, listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, or will he not do? Uh, uh, Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I received a command to bless you, you want me to curse, but there's a command on. Now, you got to get this because God is making the very person who is paid to curse you bless you. It's not just God blessing you. It's the one trying to curse you is being forced to bless you. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. God's got a plan. He has blessed. I cannot reverse the blessing. You can reverse the curse but you can't reverse the blessing. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord as God is, is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. Go back to that verse. How many know Israel wasn't perfect? How many know they were wandering for 40 years because they were disobedient? 
Is there anyone here perfect? But yet God says, I haven't observed any iniquity in them. What? What are you talking about? I haven't, I haven't seen any wickedness in Israel. Oh, come on now. They tried to kill Moses. Come on now. They, they, they plotted. He said, the Lord, his God, is with Israel. And the shout of a king is a... Oh, that, verse gives me hope. It blesses me to no end that I don't have to be perfect for him to live with me, that he'll claim me even when sometimes I can't claim him. He'll claim, he'll bless me when I don't deserve it, even when I fail, even when I mess up. I might be wandering in the wilderness because I keep blowing it, but the shout of a king is in me. Amen. Let me tell you, you may not feel like shouting today, but I encourage you, go ahead and shout. The shout of a king is in you. Somebody needs to shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. His shout is in you the shout and the roar of a lion. Not because you're perfect, not because you never messed up, but because God has chosen to live in you. Give him a shout. Woo! Woo! God brings them out of Egypt. He, you have strength. Some of you have the strength of a wild ox. Strength of a wild ox. Oh, I got to share this with you. About midnight last night, for some stupid reason, I was on Facebook. And there was a post there from a pastor's wife that we pastored when we pastored for four years in Cleveland, Tennessee, before we came here. I was just a young pup. I was green. I mean green. We pastored there for four years. Out of that church, I think four or five people went out into the ministry just in those few years. And they've stayed in the ministry all these years. And this pastor's wife wrote on Facebook because she's, her first sermon, I let her preach her first sermon. Listen, believing in women in ministry is not a new thing with me. And we let her preach her first message in our little chapel there in Cleveland, Tennessee, and, and her husband's the pastor, but she's preached all these years. And she said, you know, it's been hard being a woman in ministry. And I'll wait on her name, man. But she began to talk about that and how, the, how she appreciated. She said she, had, she was mumbling, grumbling about something. She called me on the phone. <laughs> and she said, I answered the phone. And she said, I barely started my complaint. And I said, listen, you have, you are strong, you have everything you need. And I hung up on her. Before, before she even got it out, I didn't even know what the problem was. Now, I chalked that up to stupidity. Amen. I, I don't think I'd ever do that now. I have, <laughs> Huh? I hung up on her, and at first she was a little offended. She goes, my pastor just hung up on me. And then she said she heard an audible voice. And the Lord said, you have all the strength you need and more than you'll ever. I don't, I don't have the exact quote. 
I wasn't going to put this in the message, but it said, you have everything you need. She said, that moment, that moment when you hung up on me has been one of the main sustaining things that I've held on to all these 40 years of ministry. I keep, I'm, <laughs> I keep, I'm, I'm reminded constantly that God said I would always have the strength I need in every situation. Sometimes you don't know how you're going to get through it. You don't know why you're going through it. You don't know how long this is going to go on and you, you're just confused and hurt but God said you have the strength of a wild ox amen you're going to make it you have what it takes <laughs> and my policy from now on every time someone calls me to complain I'm hanging up on you <laughs> make my life a lot easier I do Listen, there's no sorcery against Jacob. There's no divination against Israel. It now must be said of Jacob of Israel, oh, what God has done. There's no witchcraft against you. There's no curse against you. There's nothing coming against you that you can't handle. There's no curse that has root in you. There isn't a thing that the enemy says, no word, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Oh, my God, if I can get this out. Oh, what God has done. Give him a praise. Number three. Oh, Lord. Number three. Number th the third reason. The curse doesn't work because we are anointed. We are anointed. Go over to chapter 24 in Numbers. Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes. And the Spirit of God came upon him. Then he took up his oracle and said, The utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, the utterance... Of the man whose eyes were, he took him up on a high place. You gotta, you gotta understand. What would it look like for a million people to be camped in tents? The tabernacle in the center, the glory of God settling upon the tabernacle. Was it Judah on the east? There's, there's three tribes on the east, three on the west, north, south. There's twelve tribes and a million people. And, and the tents are black from the, the goat skin tent, tents that they have. They're black and gray. And, all, and there, there's, who knows, hundreds of thousands of tents in the wilderness and God in the middle of them. And he sees, the, he raises his eyes, and he saw Israel encamped according to their tribes and the Church, sometimes when I look out over this congregation, listen, I don't see faces. I see stories. I see people that, that man, there's, there were times you didn't think you, you, gonna make, you were going to make it. And, and we prayed together. And, we, and, you, and you got through. I don't see faces. I see stories. Every Sunday I look out and I see stories. Some of you from 30 years ago, I, I see stories of how God got you through that death, got you through a divorce, got you through that, that sickness in you, got you through this or that and depression or whatever he got you through but I see stories everywhere the spirit of the Lord you say why what motivates you to preach sometimes the stories the testimonies of God's people I knew a lot of you before you were saved come on now I'm so thankful that nobody even my wife knew me before I was saved ha 
Glory was close, but I was saved. <laughs> Amen? The utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. In other words, on this last prophecy, Balaam began to prophesy, and the scripture here seems to say that he got under the, he got under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and he, and he fell out in the spirit, but his eyes are wide open. And he's seeing a vision with his eyes wide open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel. God speaks over us even today. How lovely are the homes of the saints. How lovely are they as lights to the neighborhood. How lovely are they when they go to, when they go to work every day as candles walking into darkness. How lovely are the tents of Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel. <laughs> like valleys that stretch out like gardens by the riverside. Like aloes planted by the Lord. Like cedars beside the waters. He shall pour water from his buckets and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations. His enemies, he shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. He bows down. He lies down as a lion and as a lion who shall rouse him. Blessed is he who blesses you and cursed is he who curses you. Give God praise if you agree in Jesus' name. Real quick, what is this anointing? Psalms 105 verse 15 saying, do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. You better be careful. That's not just talking about preachers. That's talking about the guy sitting next to you. Be careful who your tongue touches, whose life you want to tear down. They're God's anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Why is the Spirit on you? Just because you live right? Just because you're awesome? Just because you're called to, to do something amazing? Because God loves you more than anybody else? The Spirit of the Lord is on me because I'm anointed. I'm anointed. Therefore, the Spirit is on me. I believe you're anointed when you get saved. And then the Spirit is on you. And then there are levels of the anointing when he calls you to certain ministries and he'll anoint you. That's why we lay hands on you and pray for you because we want to anoint you because if you're anointed, the Spirit will rest on you. He doesn't rest on things that aren't anointed. In the Old Testament, that included furniture. God said, I won't even rest on the furniture unless you anoint it. God can rest on your car if you'll anoint it. Some of you think that's your car. That's why you have so many mechanical problems. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. Oh, I could preach here an hour. I've got to move on. How about, how about Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 1 and 2? I just got to give you some word. How many are ready for some word? Also on that same day there was a reading for the book of Moses and the hearing of the people is found written there that no Ammonite or Moabite, remember the, he, uh, uh, Barak was a Moabite, was permitted to enter the congregation of God because they hadn't welcomed the people of Israel with food and drink. They even hired Balaam to work against them by cursing them. But our God turned the curse into a blessing. Because they're a, you can't curse what God anoints. 
David even David wouldn't even touch King Saul, though Saul was a murderer. But he said, and he was already cut off from God. But he said, he's still anointed. They are addicted to adultery with eyes that are insatiable with sins that never end. They seduce the vulnerable experts in their greed. They are but children of a curse. They have wandered off the main road and gone astray because they are prophets who love profit. I love that. Prophets who love profit. The wages they earn by wrongdoing, they are following the example of Balaam. In it for all the wrong reasons. 2 Peter chapter 2 talks about Balaam. I just, want to, I just want to get this word in you. He says, Peter says, who was rebuked for evil by a donkey. Remember, that's where the donkey talks. I don't believe an animal can talk. Well, then you got, I don't know what happened with Eve. So snakes and donkeys, look out. I don't need to explain it. I'm just telling you, he was rebuked by a donkey. And if God can use a donkey, glad you said it, sister. (laughs) Who was rebuked for evil by a donkey incapable of speech, yet that spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are dried up riverbeds, waterless clouds, pushed along by stormy winds. The deepest darkness of gloom has been prepared for them. Oh, my God. They spout off their grandiose, impressive nonsense, consumed with the lust of the flesh. They lure back into sin those who recently escaped from their error. They promise others freedom, yet they themselves are slaves to corruption, for people are slaves to whatever overcomes them. Don't submit to the curse. Overturn the curse. Let's go to Isaiah 10, 27, last, last scripture. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Because of. Worship team. Because of. Did y'all catch that? Look at those words. Talks about a burden, right? And it talks about a yoke. That word burden literally means to be under obligation. Whenever you're under obligation, you're on a burden. Sometimes we do what we do because we feel like we have to do it. And God says, I'm going to take that burden off you. Wow. I'm going to take that obligation. And the word, that word there for yoke means to be under orders. To be under orders. Kind of reminds me of the Nazis in World War II when they did the trials after the war. They said, why did you kill millions of people? Or, you know, why, why did, he said, well, I was just obeying orders. And we think these men must have been horrible, wicked people, yet they would go home to their families at night and be loving fathers and, and loving husbands and just normal citizens. They were just good guys, but when they went to work, they were under orders to kill people. And they did it. They didn't feel guilty over it. It's madness. But yet somehow we, we feel like, you know, I have to do this or I lose my job or I have to do this to get in good with people. and I, I got to get ahead or whatever the reason is. Listen, I'm here to tell you, you're not under orders anymore. You're under the orders of the king. And he's the only one you have to obey. And that sense of obligation, God's going to break that. 
He says, because of the anointing. Look at it in the Amplified Version. So it will be in that day that the burden of the Assyrian will be removed from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. The yoke will be broken because of the fat. Because of the fat. One of the words for anointing is fatness. And fatness today has negative connotations. Back then, not a lot of people were fat. And if you were a little overweight, it's because you had money. You were wealthy. You were living good. Remember, it says we're going to go into the land of Canaan, a land of fatness. Fatness represented prosperity, success, leisure, being able to relax and be at peace, having food and shelter, and everything's all right. Shalom. The picture here is of, a, of an oxen in the yoke. And he's, his only job is to be out there plowing every day. He's a slave to the plow. What does it mean that the yoke will be broken because of the fat? What would happen is they would make these, yoke, these collars to fit the neck of the ox. But as he's pulling, the muscles would increase. He would become stronger and stronger. And eventually, at some point, he'd twist his head, and that yoke doesn't fit anymore. And he would literally break the yoke. Let me explain this. The yoke is broken because of your prosperity, and yet you feel like you're not being prosperous because of the yoke. Here's what it is. We get saved. We grow in God. We become prosperous, but we haven't overcome everything. But our neck, isn't it interesting that the very act of being in bondage gave him the strength to break the yoke. Don't despise the trials you go through because what you're going through is giving you neck muscles to eventually break off what you're going through. Not anything to do with it and God's, is that too deep? And sometimes we just, we just, we don't want anything to do with it and God says, listen, Let me put it another way. Sometimes we feel like we're prospering. We're prospering to a point, and we can't get beyond that. Listen, you prosper, but you're still in the yoke. But at some point, you're going to break off that yoke, and then you're going to be completely free, completely free to do whatever God has called you to do. Does that make sense? He'll prosper you to the point where the yoke is broke off, so now you can really prosper. 